Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. A New York grand jury indicts former President Donald Trump. This is an embarrassing day. I don't want to say it's even a dark day for America. This is just an embarrassing day for America. Reparations lobbyists in California say that $5 million in reparations is too little. It's about telling black people that you are systemically a victims. ABC News to lay off 50 staffers and executives in the latest round of Disney cuts. And we know that there will be three rounds to these cuts. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Friday, March 31st. I'm Mike Scott. History was made on Thursday as a Manhattan grand jury formally indicted former President Donald Trump, making him the first former U.S. president to face a criminal charge. We actually have breaking news right now uh, concerning the indictment of former President Trump. We've just received confirmation that former President Trump has, in fact, been indicted by a grand jury for allegedly making hush money payments during the 2016 campaign. While the charges remain sealed, the investigation surrounding the grand jury indictment focused on payments made during the 2016 presidential campaign to silence claims of an extramarital sexual encounter. After the news broke, reaction poured in from across the country, but most notably from those closest to the former president. Trump's son Don Jr. saying the indictment was nonsense. Apparently, you know, Soros back Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg is actually indicting my father. So let's be clear, folks. This is like communist level. Shit. This is stuff that would make Mao, Stalin, uh, Pol Pot. It would make them blush. Trump's former vice president, Mike Pence, believes the indictment is politically motivated. I think the unprecedented indictment of a former president of the United States on a campaign finance issue is an outrage. And, and it appears to, to millions of Americans to be nothing more than a political prosecution that's driven by a prosecutor who literally ran for office on the pledge to indict the former president. The indictment comes at a time where the political landscape in the U.S. is deeply divided. Many political experts are suggesting that a prosecution of Trump will only reinforce support from his base who feel the former president is being targeted politically. The former president released a statement responding to the indictment saying in part, quote, this is political persecution and election interference at the highest level in history. From the time I came down the golden escalator at Trump Tower and 
even before I was sworn in as your president of the United States, the radical left Democrats, the enemy of the hardworking men and women of this country, have been engaged in a witch hunt to destroy the Make America Great Again movement. You remember it just like I do. Russia, 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 the Mueller hoax, Ukraine, 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 impeachment hoax, impeachment hoax too, the illegal and unconstitutional Mar-a-Lago raid, and now this, end quote. Attorney Rachel Fassett says that she's not sure that Alvin Bragg has a good case. I don't know that this is a good case either. What they have charged here, we don't know. But if it's a felony, it's a two-part crime that the prosecutor has to show. And part one is the bookkeeping fraud, and that they likely can show. They can likely show that paying Michael Cohen and not for hush money was not properly put on the books, and that was likely knowingly not proper on the books. And based on those facts alone, that is a misdemeanor. Fassett goes on to explain why so many lawyers feel the Manhattan DA's case against the former president isn't very strong. Now, to make it a felony, they need part two of that crime. And part two of that crime is where you are losing so many lawyers in thinking that this is a winnable case. Because part two of that crime requires a separate crime. It requires that that bookkeeping fraud was put on the books for a second crime. And that second crime appears to be a little unknown. Was it tax evasion? Was it an election fraud? And both of those, which are the most speculative, most likely crimes, are federal crimes. And this is a state charge. So then you're getting a little lost in who has jurisdiction over that second crime and how Bragg shows that second crime. Ed Morrissey, host of The Ed Morrissey Show and managing editor of HotAir.com, joined the Daybreak Insider podcast and shared his first thoughts on the indictment. This is Ed Morrissey of Hot Air talking about the unprecedented charging of a former president with a crime. Now, no one is above the law, but apparently Alvin Bragg is below it because this is a ridiculous indictment. It's over a nonsense claim that there is some sort of uh, crime that it was committed in paying somebody for an NDA. There may be a lot of different ways that you can criticize Donald Trump's relationships with Stormy Daniels, with Karen McDougal, with others, but those are political questions. Those are not legal questions. And the use of prosecutorial power to impose on the political process is unprecedented, especially at the presidential level. Morrissey goes on to say that, in his opinion, this is simply an embarrassing day for America. This is the type of thing that banana republics are made of. And I feel confident that when this actually gets into court, when this particular case actually gets into court, that Donald Trump, whatever else you might think of him, his his lawyers are going to tear this to pieces. This is not a serious case. It's being brought by a fundamentally unserious prosecutor. And this is 
an embarrassing day. I don't want to say it's even a dark day for America. This is just an embarrassing day for America. This is one political, uh, politically motivated prosecutor who is embarrassing the United States with this nonsense. With any luck, a judge and the people of New York are going to send Alvin Bragg packing on this and sooner rather than later. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis called the indictment of former President Donald Trump un-American and said that the state would not assist in any extradition request. Russia's top security agency says a reporter for the Wall Street Journal has been arrested on espionage charges. Daybreak Insider's Jeremy House has more on this developing story in the communist state. The Federal Security Service, the top KGB successor agency, says Evan Gershkovich, who was detained in the Ural Mountain city of Yekaterinburg while allegedly trying to obtain classified information. The Security Service alleged that Gershkovich was collecting classified information about the activities of one of the enterprises of the Russian military industrial complex. Gershkovich could face up to 20 years in prison if convicted of espionage. over reparations continue to play out this week in California, where activists demanded that the Golden State pay millions of dollars to each black resident as a way to make amends for slavery and subsequent discrimination, with one activist dismissing the idea of payments of $5 million per person as nothing and too little. I believe that $5 million in reparations is too little for the work that Foundation of Black Americans have done for this country and as well for other countries. California Governor Gavin Newsom created the California Reparations Task Force in 2020, a committee that was to research reparations and give their final recommendations to the California legislature. Since then, the committee has held many in-person meetings, including this week. Currently, the task force is considering a proposal to give just under $360,000 per person to approximately 1.8 million black Californians who had an ancestor enslaved in the U.S., putting the total cost of the program at about $640 billion. Meanwhile, the city of San Francisco is weighing its own reparations proposals at the local level. San Francisco's own reparations task force has recommended giving out $5 million each to qualifying black residents. The proposal would cost non-black families in the city at least $600,000, according to Stanford University's Hoover Institution. Political commentator Larry Elder joined the Salem Radio Network and says that black Americans do not need reparations. Booker T. Washington, who was born a slave, wrote a book called Up From Slavery in 1901, Trish. That's just 36 years after slavery. And you read the book, he's more optimistic about the future of black America uh, than people like Ibram X. Kendi, the anti-racist, and Black Lives Matter are today. And of course, Judeo-Christian values, a belief in hard work, a belief that God does not give you a burden that you cannot fulfill. All of that propelled black people forward. In 1940, before all the civil rights legislation, mostly before a Brown versus Board of Education, 
87% of blacks live below the federally defined level of poverty. 20 years later, uh, by 1960, that number had fallen to 47%. That's a 40-point drop in 20 years, the greatest 20-year period of economic expansion in the history of black America. Why? Reliance on family. In some instances, a black kid was more likely to be born uh, to a mother and father married to each other than a white kid. Uh, and again, reliance on American values, reliance on entrepreneurship, and reliance on God. Elders suggest that the idea that black Americans are perpetual victims is a means to gain political power for one particular party in this country. It's about power. Uh, it's about telling black people that you are systemically uh, victims. Uh, that white people are systemically oppressors. And by the way, we Democrats are the party of social justice and pulled that lever for us. The civil rights movement have gone from a righteous movement uh, for equal rights into a non-righteous movement uh, for equal results and all sorts of other things that have nothing whatever to do uh, with civil rights, whether it's abortion, whether it's critical race theory, whether it's demand for reparations. Uh, the civil rights movement has been co-opted, if not kidnapped, by a collection of Marxist, collectivist, income redistributionists that are hurting the black community. The former talk show host goes on to say that, in his opinion, the left has indoctrinated the black community so well that they label people like him, who talk about hard work, as bad guys. People like myself uh, who t bring the truth, who talk about hard work, who don't sit around whining about how oppressed we are, uh, are derided as Uncle Tom's, as was Booker T. Washington. You know, the, the brilliance of the left is not only uh, have they convinced women to marry the government uh, and men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility through the welfare state, but anybody who calls them out is now the bad guy. I'm an Uncle Tom. I'm the black face of white supremacy. Uh, I'm, I'm a bootlicker. I'm, I'm a coconut. I'm an Oreo. That's how successful they are. Uh, they convince you that you're a victim. Somebody who's black comes along and says you're not a victim, and, I'll, and, and I'm sinister. I'm the bad guy. That's how masterful the left's indoctrination uh, has been of, of black America. It's unclear how California could afford to ever pay more than $5 million to black residents. Gavin Newsom announced in January the state faces a projected budget deficit of $22.5 billion for the coming fiscal year. Then, weeks later, the California Legislative Analyst Office, a government agency that analyzes the budget for the entire state, estimated in a subsequent report that Newsom's forecast undershot the mark by about $7 billion. On Thursday, Walt Disney Company announced layoffs of several ABC News senior executives as it restructures its newsroom. The cuts are all part of Disney's plan to lay off 7,000 employees company-wide as it tries to cut costs and streamline their operation. The layoffs begin this week, affecting other facets of Disney operations, including its Marvel Entertainment division. Ali Canal of Yahoo Finance says that this round of layoffs will not be the last for Disney and its subsidiaries. 
So we already knew that these layoffs were coming. This was announced when Disney announced earnings on February 8th, which is why I don't think we saw an immediate reaction to the stock price. But shares are moving a bit higher right now, up about 2%. Now, we did receive an internal memo from Bob Iger, Yahoo Finance obtained that. And we know that there will be three rounds to these cuts. The first round happening this week, the week of March 27th. Second round will be in April. And the third round will be before the beginning of the summer. So by the summer, 7 thousand jobs will be eliminated. Canal goes on to read a statement from Disney CEO Bob Iger, who is warning that there will be rough times ahead for the House of Mouse. Now, Iger did warn that for the employees still present at the company, well, there are going to be a lot of challenges ahead. He wrote in part, quote, for our employees who aren't impacted, I want to acknowledge that there will no doubt be challenges ahead as we continue building the structure and functions that will enable us to be successful moving forward. I ask for your continued understanding and collaboration during this time. So a turbulent period overall for this company. And let's not forget, in addition to these layoffs, Disney also restructured the business into three separate units, entertainment, ESPN, park. So when Disney does report earnings next quarter, we will see all three of those segments split and we'll be receiving the details when it comes to revenue subscribers, which I do think analysts and investors alike are really curious about, especially with ESPN and how sports rights has just ballooned. However, Disney isn't the only media company feeling the crunch. We've really seen this across the board, right? Paramount restructuring its business to combo with Showtime. Warner Brothers Discovery, that is a business that's dealt with multiple merger-related challenges. But in the latest earnings report, CEO David Zaslav said that the bulk of their restructuring is behind them. We've seen Netflix roll out several revenue initiatives, like its uh, crackdown on password sharing, ad-supported. So this is something that all media companies are leaning into right now, this promise that better days are ahead in 2023, that we're we're going to be seeing these peak losses, and that's because of these layoffs. That's because of these restructuring efforts. Canal explains that last year, media companies across the board suffered big losses. So that is really the vibe right now on, on Wall Street in the, within the media landscape. And this comes after 2022. The stock market wiped $500 billion off of the top media and entertainment companies. So we really entered this year kind of not knowing where the future of media would be heading. So all of these CEOs just came out guns hot yeah. saying this is what we need to do moving forward in order to most appease our shareholders and in order to reinstill that investor confidence. Among those to lose their jobs at ABC were Wendy Fisher, Senior Vice President of News Gathering, Galen Gordon, Senior Vice President of Talent, Allison Rudnick, Vice President of Corporate Communications, and David Herndon, Executive Director and Los Angeles Bureau Chief. If you're thinking about buying a used car, now might be the right time. We get more on this from Daybreak Insider's Rita Foley. Used vehicles had been edging toward getting affordable again. The average price dropped from an eye-popping $31,400 a year ago to just over 27000 this month. But prices are creeping up again now. The supply of used vehicles is not keeping up with the robust demand, in part because those who want to buy new cars can't afford them, so there are fewer trade-ins on dealers' lots. Just in the past month, average list prices for used cars have shot up by about $700. 
I'm Rita Foley. A bill in the U.S. Senate would make English the official language of the United States. Daybreak Insider's Bob Agnew has more on this story from Capitol Hill. Senator J.D. Vance of Ohio calls his bill common sense legislation that recognizes an inherent truth. Quote, English is the language of this country. That is why the overwhelming majority of the American people support this proposal. The requirement would apply to what the bill calls all laws, public proceedings, regulations, publications, orders, actions, programs, and policies coming from the federal government. It would also introduce an English language test for immigrants to become naturalized citizens. Bob Agnew, Capitol Hill. And finally, Major League Baseball is back. There are new rules and new uniforms. The rule changes were implemented in order to speed up America's pastime and make it a more enjoyable day for those watching, not only in the stands, but at home as well. Among the changes... There is a 30-second timer between batters and a time limit between pitches. After receiving the ball from the catcher or umpire, pitchers are required to begin their motion within 15 seconds with the bases empty or within 20 seconds with runners on base. Hitters must be in the batter's box and ready for the pitch by the time the clock reaches 8 seconds. Also, the bases are now 18 inches square. Previously, they were 15 inches. This change was largely implemented for safety reasons. Eric Mitchell is a sports analyst for the Daybreak Insider and explains a few of the changes. It'll speed up a game that a lot of people will tell you it's the greatest game in America, but it's the longest and could be pretty boring, second to golf. And I'm not saying golf's boring, though I want golf people hating me, but those two sports take a very long time to play. Baseball instituting a 30-second, much like a shot clock that we see in the NBA or the timer that we see on the field at NFL, a 30-second one for pitch timers. It hasn't been a hit during spring training, but it's speeding up games, which is what they're trying to do. Uh, You mentioned the bigger bases, Natasha. They traditionally have been 15 inches. They are now 18. And no, that's not for base stealing. That's actually for player safety. We've seen a lot of injuries over the last decade. As speed is one of the things that's great about MLB, a lot of collisions at second base, trying to help out prevent those so we can have healthy players. So all these teams have a good chance. Because remember, 162 regular season games, these fellas are going to be playing. So we want to make sure we keep it safe. So I think that's a big help for Major League Baseball. And, a whole, and then you talk about the infield shift rule, which if you've watched baseball, that can drag out as everybody sets up. So now they're making it so it's it keeps the game moving right along. Mitchell explains that Major League Baseball's dabbling in an automated strike zone has, so far, been greeted with mixed results in the minors. When you look at human error in referees or umpires, it's questionable. In the NBA, they've suffered from it this season and the past season. Major League Baseball's toying with it because sometimes umpires are wrong. Strike zones aren't the same. As somebody who played baseball, came up playing baseball, talked to a lot of players, strike zones are strike zones, and it's something you're going to do. How To make it all in one, is that going to be enjoyable for fans? We don't know. Minor league players, it's they're hot and cold on whether the system works. I think they're going to incorporate it probably when we'll see it will be in the postseason if the Major League Baseball actually goes through with this because that's something that people will want to see and will be closely regarded. Again, 162 games before we even get to the playoffs. Among yesterday's opening day winners, 
Yankees bested the Giants. Cubs beat the Brewers 4-0. Pirates beat the Reds 5-4. And the Blue Jays won over the Cardinals 10-9. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.